Bwana Sitiwe. Praise God. How are we doing this morning? Let's just lift our hands before the Lord and just thank Him for His goodness and His mercies. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We are in awe of all that you are doing. We are in awe of everything that, Lord, you are doing. Lord, we are in awe of you. We love you as your children. We come and we can lift our hands and declare our love for you, Lord. As your children, we can come and declare your majesty, your royalty. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so, Lord, we worship you. We honor you, King. We honor you, King, Lord. If it were not of you by our side, Lord, where would we be? If it were not of you, Lord, being by our side, where would we be? So, Lord, have your way in us. Have your way in us. Have your way in us. Have your way in us, even as we gather. Because, Lord, we've not gathered even to hear from me this morning. But, Lord, we have gathered that we may tap into the everlasting life that the rivers may flow into our hearts into our lives into everything that lord has come against us this morning this week that lord we come to the source that never runs dry we come to the source to the living god who is above everything who is clothed in majesty and strength and power and so lord we give you all the glory we give you all the glory lord we give you all the glory. 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 We give you all the glory, Lord. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. bless you and we thank you Lord to you be all the glory all the honor all the praise for there is none like you in Jesus name we pray in Jesus name we pray thank you Lord thank you Lord you may have your seats this morning in his name that is he is our VIP of who we are waiting for every Sunday hello that he is the VIP the, the host of this meeting and so if he asks us to stay a little longer and just worship him then that's what we will do if we are to linger a bit more then that is what we will do but he is a good and gracious father. Hello? He is a good and gracious father. Let me say it again. He is a good and gracious father. And he has a word for us this morning, I'm convinced. Because the week has been good up until yesterday. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's why today I'm on daddy-mommy mode <laughs> with Ezra. Ella is a bit unwell. But God is good. But I want us to celebrate because today is the first service for Rebecca Jingo. So some of you are asking, who is Rebecca Jingo? Rebecca Jingo is the other VIP who is sleeping by the side. 
Frankie saying that she's on Google, so or as, she, as Frank is pronouncing it, he, she's on Google. Let's celebrate the band even as they take their seats. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We can do better than that. Amen. 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 God is good. I say God is good. God is good. Again, what, what, what's that, that second line? It's not a cliche. Yeah, God is good all the time and that is not a cliche. So we are continuing on from where we, we, we paused last week. Talking about perspective. Talking about how we are a summation of the perspectives that we hold. And I said, if you are new to this place, and even not even just if you're new to this place, if you've ever gone to church while you are young, whilst when you get old, you still have a perspective of how church looks like. And you have a perspective of how the band should look like, how the band should sing, how the pastor should preach, how the pastor should articulate his words or her words, that we, we come and we become a summation of all the thoughts that we have in terms of the different perspectives. And we emphasize the point that God does not call us in light of where we are or who we are, but in light of who he is making us to become. And that's why we can take courage in where we are, even in the things God is asking of us to do, because he never leaves us to do anything by ourselves. Let me repeat this. That he never tasks us to do anything by ourselves. But at the same time, we must be bold enough to follow him as he leads we must be bold and courageous enough to follow him as he asks us to take a turn so that we need to take that turn. That we must be able to understand that as we walk with him, that he causes us to be different. That we will not always be flowing where people are flowing. Hello? That there are some instructions that God will give you that you'll start asking, God, are you serious right now? How many have been given instructions and they're like, God, are you serious right now? Well, it's only one, two people, three. Okay. For those who have not been given instructions, today is the day that you'll start receiving instructions that seem very particular and very peculiar. But that because we trust in a God who does not fail, because we are lining our lives, remember, we are not building our lives in accordance to the patterns we think, but we are centering our lives to the patterns that he is asking of us. Hello? That he is not asking you, because you know at the end of your life, if everything that will be summed about your life would be summed up by the things that you own, the children that you have, and the things that you've left behind, then that is not, that is not something that me, I want to sign up, sign up for. But that as God calls us, he calls us that we walk with him, that we can be dis a, distinct, a distinction, that we can be a peculiar people. That's why when we read 2 Peter, no, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, when Peter now comes and addresses the Jews and the Gentiles all together. And remember, this is the same um, scripture that was used in Exodus to speak to the people that had been chosen by God. And now he's telling them, but now, you, turn to your neighbor and tell them, you. 
Because oftentimes we read this scripture and we think it applies to someone else except yourself. It says, but now you have become a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a people of God that once you are not a people but now. And so it was good news for these people. It was good news for the Gentiles because for the longest period of time, the Gentiles did not consider that they could be able to get into the kingdom of God. And then we said that it is very important that we take up the perspective that God has over our lives. That he speaks to us and he says he loves us. That he speaks to us and assures us that he cares for us. That he wants to journey with us. And that's why it has to be a relationship that we are actually walking with him every single day. And it's something that we build upon. Then, we talked about how as individuals and as a church, we must be able to kill the grasshopper mentality. Thinking that we are not good enough thinking that we are small enough, we are too small for the things that God is asking us to do. And what came out clearly was that how we perceive ourselves would be how other people perceive us. If you think yourself small, you can't even volunteer, even in a staff meeting to pray. Nobody will ask you to pray. Hello? If you think yourself small, nobody would ask, what do you think is the solution for this problem? And we said, God has called us that we can be problem solvers, not problem proclaimers. That a distinction of wrong perspective is complaining. And we went down that rabbit hole. We'll, we'll skip it for today because we want to conclude. Okay. So, um, then we talked about perspective in terms of John 3.16. And we looked at how the Pentecostals and which, which other ones did we look about? Evangel evan evangelical. How they read John 3.16. Let's, 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 let's look at other examples of the same, um, which should be coming up on the screen. So, this is how... Calvinist would read John 3.16. For God so loved the elect that he gave his only son that the elect should not perish but have eternal life. Give me the other one. The Armenian. Some of them I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, okay, but let's just read. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, 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 same scripture, but how people perceive it and read it is different. Because even how we interact with God is based on the perception we have of God. And the sad bit is that as we relate with our earthly fathers, oftentimes we think and we assume that that is the same way we would, re would be able to relate to God the Father. And he tries to distinguish himself and he says, I am not like your earthly fathers. I know how to take care of you. I know how to look after you. I know how, how to be able to speak into you. That traumas, that things that have happened should not be able to stop us from being able to relate to a God who is loving. And that as we inspect and as we analyze our lives that we can be able to subject ourselves to the scripture Psalms 139 whereby David says search me Lord and test me know my thoughts let my perspectives be open to you that I may be able to find life and find truth each and every time the added words are mine KJV, JV. But if we believe that God is a God that we can trust, 
then we must be able to place our perspectives to him. Our mindsets, how we think, how we view life, we must be able to surrender all these aspects of who we are to him. Let's, let's proceed. Let's proceed. So, today I want us to look at scenario two. An example from the Bible. So, if you have your Bible, and if you're seated next to someone with a Bible, let's turn to First Kings. If you're there, you can say amen. That's 40%. First Kings, let's go to 19. There you can say amen. We're going to read from verse 1. It's a lengthy scripture, but it will layer in into what we want to talk about in terms of perspectives again. So this is what the Bible says. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent, he, sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me, may the God strike me and even kill me, if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. I am reading from the New Living Translation. Verse 3. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on a on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day, he sat under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than the ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree, but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot, sto hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again to and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the, and, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there, after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down the altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Verse 15. 
Then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be the king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel Meholah to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazel will be killed by Jehu. And those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or Kisar. So we've, we've spent time and we... Sorry. We've looked at the story of Elijah. And it's a very interesting story for two reasons or three reasons. Let's, let's see. One... Chapter 17 introduces us to Elijah, and they say, Elijah was a man just like us. Then chapter 18 speaks of the contest that took place in terms of these people trying to prove who is the real God. But chapter 19 introduces us to, an El to Elijah after coming from a victory and a half of seeing God come through in a big way. The next chapter introduces us to an Elijah who was afraid. For the very first time, after seeing God move and do all the things that he did, he was afraid that his life was on the line. And you know, part of what happens in life is that just after we have come from a moment whereby we feel everything is going well, everything is going smooth, we never are able to sound out and say, now we are ready for battle. Because we find ourselves, as we transition from a place of victory, we are thrown into a place of fight. And so we can never get too caught up in a season because every season changes, and sometimes the season will not announce to you Hey, um, uh, Wasula, the season is changing. Get prepared. And so, Elisha is thrown in such, in, into such a, situ a scenario. And after seeing God do all that, he then is at a place whereby he is afraid and fearful. In my interpretation, when you look, he's saying um, what other scriptures say is that Elisha was at a point of depression. And it is all stemmed from one simple fact that he came to a point whereby he says, I have been very zealous for the work of the Lord and I have been very zealous, but now I am the only one who is left. And we can find ourselves, again, back to perspectives. Because for him, I would imagine, when the heat was so hot for him, he decided one of two statements, which is popular with isolation. Let me go and figure things out on myself, by myself. And then once I have figured everything out, then I will come back, back to community. And the question there to ask yourself is this. Why did he even leave the servant that he was working with back instead of journeying together with him? What drove him to say that I need to go and hide myself in a cave so that I can be able to hear first, then come and deal with the situations? Because one of the things that we have constantly tried to hammer as a church is the fact that isolation is a, a recipe for disaster. When you withdraw from community, you are putting a bullseye on yourself for the devil to come after you. The lion never attacks. The lion never attacks unless they are, they are in a herd. A lion never attacks just a herd that is there grazing by themselves. It is very, it is rare. Yes, it happens. But a lion will always look for the one that is sidelining itself. For that 
for that antelope that feels that it wants to solve things by themselves. And in the midst of isolation, it's very easy to forget and to find the warmth of community. Just like Elijah, just like Elijah, sorry, that he hid himself, that he had no counsel of anyone to come and encourage him in the Lord. And there's a difference with Elijah and, and David. Because when David in the midst of the battle, it says one David was surrounded with his men, though his men wanted to kill him. But he encouraged himself in the Lord. And he was able to move forward. Let me give you some examples of these are typical statements of someone who is withdrawing. And personally, I do not like these statements. One, one, one. Then we'll talk about what scripture talks about, isolation. Let me figure things out by myself. Then I shall come. If you've hit a wall, how will you figure out things by yourself? And it's, de it's definitely a wall you've hit. Unless you talk to someone who has hit the wall previously and can tell you, this wall looks like this. This is how it may look like, but I am here to pray for you. Second statement. No one can ever understand what I am going through. Remember, community isn't there to fully understand, but is there to fully be there with you in the process. Because there are things that community will never understand. God will be the only person who will, who will understand. But in the midst of being there, hanging there, Frank, come. <laughs> in, in, in the midst of being in community, in the midst of coming to places, you continue walking. That you can't walk, you can lean on their strength. So they may not understand. You can even explain in Greek and they, it's, it's, they, it, they can't understand. But their purpose isn't to understand. Their purpose is to be there side by side with you. That they can give you strength. The times when the leg becomes so heavy. You've been working out. <laughs> but that you can lean on them. That we can lean on one another. This is what the Bible says. Before I, I, I go to statement number three. Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18. Let's turn to Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18. If you're there, you can say amen. getting there, I am getting there. You're already there. I am getting the verse. One minute. It says this. From verse 1. Put up verse 1 actually amplified. Ben, if you can. You don't have amplified. Who has amplified? Yes. What does it say, Sharon? He who willfully separates himself from God and man seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. That he who willfully separates and estranges himself from God, one, and from man seeks his own desire and pretext to break against all wise and sound judgment. Others speak of, if you read New King James, it says, a man who isolates himself 
seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Then Ecclesiastes chapter 4 from verse 9. The title here talks about the value of a friend. And it says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. So it becomes important. Because, you know, one of the other statements that people normally say, concerning, let me say, concerning church, Rhythm City, I love the transformation. But you cannot love the transformation and run away from community. They are both values that we have as a church. That we value transformation happening in people's lives, but at the same time, we value community. That no one is to do life by themselves. And I say this, let me repeat it again. Turn to your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, hi. And as you look at your neighbor, if you, if you find that when something substantial happens to your life and your neighbor, well, your neighbor may be someone you're sitting to or someone within the context of the church, <coughs> and your neighbor is not amongst the top five calls that you're making, then either you are in the wrong place or we are not doing a good, a good job in building community. And I'm not afraid to say, if you do not have someone that you can call a neighbor who is part of where, where you are seated, might it be that you're in the wrong church? The other day, let me let me just let me let me let me say this. The other day, I remember just after COVID. You know, sometimes when before COVID we were at a hundred and hundred and twenty, hundred and forty. Then after COVID, there was a service that we came here. Talking about a pastor encouraging themselves in the Lord. <laughs> and I think that day in service we were 10. Seven were serving. So I... I've been at the depths of, of coming and asking God what is happening so I can be able to say confidently and boldly that we need to find a place whereby we can build into community. That isolation becomes almost something of an unfactor. Let me ask this question. How many people in this room do you know their exact house where they live and if anything happens to them, you can actually go and attend to them. People are, people are doing an analysis. But you know, that, 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 entails, that entails being a brother to someone, being a sister to someone. That when you do not see them in service, you, you can even go to them, go to their house. Because we are building one another. There is no army that leaves anyone behind. Injured or not, they would go back for this, this soldier and bring them back into the 
attends to them and then bring them back up into service. Because another thing that happens in isolation, because depression set in for Elijah, for Elijah when he was isolated all by himself. And might I say this as well, some of the mental issues that we are dealing with is one out of wrong perspectives and out of people not having community around them. Because, and I, I'm speaking this as a, as, a, as a trained psychologist, so I know what I'm saying. You find people are stuck in a particular concept of who they are that is different from what the Bible says who they are. I do not think I can make it. I'm a failure. But God is saying that I am, I am your father. And so, if I am your father, I will give you strength to overcome anything that comes your way. But I realized one thing. Last week, we talked about delighting ourselves in the Lord. Genesis chapter 1 speaks of, about how the spirit of the Lord was hovering and moving. And then it says, then God said, let there be. And things started to form and to shape. But without the context of having this word in us, what will, be, what will the spirit be hovering over to act on? Let me say it again. Without this word, which is life, that we are able to, to, to fill within our hearts, you know, last week I asked for a Bible and it was a, a, visit, a visitor, pastor who had the Bible. So I said, today, let me not take chances oh, because I knew Frank had stopped carrying his big Bible. So, oh, oh it is here. <laughs> that this word is life. That we, yes, other books are good for success and all these different things, but this book is better. Because it is life and it is out of this life that the spirit of God can be able to act on. Because God released a word and these are his words. And so for him to move, for the spirit of God to move, we have to have a deposit of this word in us. I love Psalm 16 verse 8. Because at a point in my life when I was feeling as if my mind was playing tricks on me, I, I, I could recite this verse in different languages. The only language that I failed to be able to know it is spoken was in Greek. It says, I have constantly put the Lord before me. Therefore, I will not be shaken. And as I am saying this, then the Spirit of God is able to move on that word. Which verses do you have that you can be able to speak and bring life that the spirit can be able to move on? <laughs> At least you have John 3.16. Then the third common statement. By isolants. Let me create a word. Isolants. Is this. It's not a must I go where people are. As long as I am praying where I am. You know? Hebrews. 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 I, I do not have I do not have that exact reference. But Hebrews talks about do not do no, let us not give up sparring one another. And it also, in a different context, speaks about how we should not neglect meeting together. Thank you. Hebrews 10.24. So, as, as, we, as we progress... Again, wrong perspectives can make people have a wrong analysis of what's happening. Just like Elijah. 
because all he could see from the perspective he had was that this was the end. And you know, every single one of us is susceptible to developing wrong perspectives. So that's why we must constantly be on guard. Watch and pray. So that's the scenario of Elijah. Last week we talked about the first P and the first P was place. Place. No position. Ah, okay. There's someone who is already ahead of us. So the first, the first we talked about was position. The second is place. So position, place, purpose should be the things that inspire our perspectives. So place. I want us to read a scripture. And the scripture is a bit long, but we will be able to go through. I am out of time, but I'll just summarize. Um, we are reading Acts 17. Let me skip the others. Acts 17. 28. It speaks of for in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own prophets have said, we are also his offspring. John 1, 4. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the basis of what I'm trying to communicate is that we have a special place in him. And if we have a special place in him, then our perspectives must be influenced by him. Because our place of operation is safe and secure in him. That as we abide in him, then we ought to also pick up on what he says about us. Third, I'm trying to finish up so that we can pray. Third is purpose. That we have purpose that has already been set for us long even before we were born. And so because we have purpose, then we should lead lives that push us to have and to step into the purpose that God has for us. Jeremiah 1.5. And I like how the amplified version says, that before I formed you, I knew and approved of you. Look at your neighbor. Tell them, neighbor, you are approved of God. If, if, if we were to just preach until there, that would be enough. Because people seek approval from very many sources, very many areas. But the ultimate approval that we, we definitely need in our life is from one source and God alone. That before I formed you, I knew you and approved you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I separated and set you apart, consecrating you, and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So we have been approved. We have been set apart. We have been chosen. If you need words to be able to wake up to every morning, let, the three, the, let these three words be your words. Approved, set apart, chosen. That we have already an assignment even before we were formed in our mother's womb. And that assignment, we will get into it more and more as we continue. So even as we finish off, Ben, that, 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 that other picture. That other picture. That. Let me ask, what comes to mind when you see this picture? Yeah? 
What is hanging? Very good question. How did it get there? L let me turn the question around and ask you, how did you get here? How did you get to where you are today? By God's grace. And so this is a perspective that we need to have that we are here by the grace and grace alone. And you know, this uh, turtle, tortoise, no, not crocodile, definitely not crocodile, <laughs> that is too misleading. <laughs> that taught us. <laughs> yeah? So, yeah, eh? That turtle <laughs> can never claim that it got there by its own self-effort. It had to rely or she had to rely on someone. Uh, sorry, I do, not, I do not know the meaning of a turtle. I'm not starting a debate. Uh -uh. The turtle got there by the grace. Let's stick there, please, on the same side of things. And so this is a perspective that we ought to have. That it's about what God says of our lives. It's about where he puts us, where he keeps us, and how he sustains us. Because when we allow him to lead us and to sustain us, that's the place whereby we can be free from wrong perspectives and we can be able to step into all that God is calling us to step into. Let's rise up on our feet this morning. The last example I'm going to say, and then we can get into a time of just worship and prayer. Mark 6. Mark 6 from verse 1, it speaks of an example of just how perspectives can prevent a move of God. And it speaks of how Jesus went to his hometown. And when they looked at Jesus and the things that he was saying, verse 3 says this from the Amplified Version that they started asking themselves this question. Is this, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here among us? And they took offense at him, and were hurt, that is, they disapproved of him and it hindered them from acknowledging his authority. And they were caused to stumble and fall. What might be the things that cause us to disapprove of him that even when he is moving, we, we can't even see or perceive it. The question I wanted to ask is this. When was the last time you felt or had an encounter of him? Why have we allowed a lack of having encounters to be the norm when he is always like an eager father to give us an encounter to be able to have us to experience him? When was the last time you felt him and it was not a cliche that we are saying that the Lord is here? When was the last time you allowed him to speak and to touch the depths of your heart? When was the last time you didn't allow yourself to be consumed by the things that have not yet uh, been done or solved and just release yourself to say, Lord, I am here. Would you just do in me what you want, want, what you want to do? When was the last time that you are not hell-bent on 
remaining at the wheel and, and wanting to say, what will my neighbor think of me if I start sobbing? When was the last time that you allowed him to say, son, daughter, I love you? Without asking, Lord, do you really love me? When was the last time that you came and the things that he impressed on your heart, you are not saying, Lord, I think if you can only just allow me to continue what I am doing. But just in the flow of how he is leading to just say, Lord, have your way. When was the last time we asked, would you close your eyes, that you genuinely close your eyes and did not allow your mind to wander to all the things that are left to be done? When was the last time your heart felt excited at the mere presence of him that you'd be able to say, Lord, here I am. When was the last time that you are not fixated on your ideas of who he is, that you just be able to say, Lord, I do not care as long as you are here. Lord, do only what you can do. So there is an invite today for us to allow him to be able to just speak and touch and just shape us afresh. And then as the team leads and as the just sings this song out ask if you know you've been battling perspectives that are not of him today we want to make a prayer even as we come forward and as we lift our hands to him to just experience freedom to experience liberty because I am convinced that where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom where the Spirit of the Lord is, and the Spirit of the Lord is in this place, there is liberty, there is wholeness, there is restoration. But are you hungry enough this morning that you'd want to come, even as we sing and say, Lord, here I am, have your way. So, as the band just leads, as I come to the end, just come forward, and then we'll just pray and just experience God in Jesus' name.